Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Well, friend, you are in for a treat. I'm going to introduce you to one of our best friends in real life. This is Brittany Hodak. Our kids go to school together, and we actually hang out with them, and we love them. She's also a client of ours, and I am now a super fan of hers. And she has written a book called Creating Super Fans, which I'm going to go ahead on record and say this is one of my all-time favorite books, period, in business, and specifically in the area of customer experience. You could call it customer service or marketing just in general, but I would say customer experience experience, which is really what her expertise is. In fact, she's the former chief experience officer for experience.com. She was the CEO of a company and the co-founder of a company called the Superfan Company. She's worked with some of the biggest brands in the world, Walmart, Disney, Katy Perry, Dolly Parton. The other night I was flipping through TV. I was on watching like mainstream national television and there's some show about Britney Spears and all of a sudden, Brittany Hodak pops on the screen and I'm like, wait, what the, what the, wait, that's Brittany. What are you doing? Like, why is Brittany in my TV? So buddy, <laughs> it's so great to have you. I cannot wait for you to share your expertise with our audience. Welcome. Thank you so much, my friend. It is always great to be here with you. And thank you for the very kind words about the book. It means a lot. And I've said it before. I'll say it again and again. I could not have written this book without the support of you and AJ and the entire team at Brand Builders Group. So I'm glad I did you proud. Yeah, you totally, you did me proud. And then like one level above, you know, I endorsed the book without reading the whole thing. And then after it came out, I, I, I have read this book cover to cover, which, you know, I cannot say that about every single guest. You know, I try to like be familiar, but like I have read it cover to cover. I absolutely love this so much that I'm recommending you to our clients and like our keynote clients. So let's talk about super fans as personal brands. Obviously, we understand we got to have super fans. We got to have people loving us, sharing our content, buying our books, telling their friends. So I guess give me the definition of a super fan in your world, and then we'll talk about how to create them. Yeah. So I define a super fan as either a customer or stakeholder who has such a great experience with you that they become an enthusiastic advocate. So Mm. they not only want to work with you again, but they tell their friends about you exactly like you just said. They make those introductions and those referrals. Essentially, a super fan is a customer who creates even more customers. Yeah. And that is the one of our BBG mantras is the most powerful form of marketing in the world is a changed life. And it's like no ad, no web page, no copy, like nothing does the job that like a customer going, you freaking rock. And all of my friends, they tell other friends, enthusiastic advocate is super duper clear. So let's just jump into the super fan. I know you have that you have that you have a great methodology, you have a great framework. I think it's totally applicable to what we do. Well, actually, so before we do that, talk about the levels, talk about the layers of I forget what you call them, but like the spectrum sort of of like where customers are at. 
Yeah, absolutely. So in the book, I talk about this idea of the ladder to super fandom. And the more advocates you have, the fewer ads you have to buy. The easier everything Mm -hmm. gets when you have people who are willing to show up and do the work for you. And that's why it's important to get someone to the level of being an advocate. So in the book, I talk about how you do that. I know in BBG lingo, one of the things that we talk about a lot is what is the problem you solve? What is it that you're helping people with? And I always say that the problem I solve is one that's not on a lot of people's radars. And that's apathy. Not a lot of people show up and say, oh, I have an apathy problem. Like not enough people care that I exist. But in reality, and especially with personal brands, it is so prevalent. So in the book, I talk about this idea of the ladder to super fandom. And the very first rung of that ladder is apathy. But people try to skip over that. They try to start with awareness of like, I want somebody to know who I am and that I exist. But the problem is if you don't have a compelling enough story, if you're not able to connect what you do, what your purpose is with the need that they have, then they're never going to care. It's going to be like the, you know, the analogy I use in the book is that carnival ladder where it's easy to get somebody on the first step and maybe even the second step, but then they just fall over because apathy is everywhere all around you. There's never been more competition for our attention. There's never been more competition for somebody to care about the thing that you do. So throughout the book, I talk about this idea of transforming from a commodity provider to a category of one, going from a transactional Mm -hmm. relationship and mindset to an experiential one, where it's about more than just your products or your services and even more than your relationships. It's all about that experience. So the idea of the ladder to super fandom, and we don't have to go through all the rungs, is how you take someone through each level of, okay, I know how I'm going to overpower that apathy. Now somebody is aware of my brand. How do I get them to take an action? Now I've gotten them to take an action. How do I get them to adopt this? How do I make it part of their plan, their life? Once I've got them to adopt it, what do I do to create affinity? And most people stop at affinity. I talk in my book about the idea of the difference between fans and followers or the difference between fans and super fans. And most people are like, oh, I'm in someone's consideration set. Now they've tried me a few times. Now they like me. They're coming back. And that's where they stop. But if you can create someone, if you can take someone from that like affinity level of, oh, I like you to that advocacy level of, I like you and I can't wait to tell other people about you. That amplification is what really makes things exciting, both on the personal brand side and on any business side. Because once you have those customers creating more customers for you, once your followers are telling their friends and growing your audience, it becomes really viral and and really effective. Mm-hmm. So just to walk y'all through that, right? So it's apathy at the bottom, then awareness, then action, then adoption, then affinity, and then advocates, advocacy. So at the top, and I think one of the things that I, one of the points I wanted to draw out that hit me hard was to go, yeah, I think of awareness and I think what a lot of personal brands do and what a lot of people do, and certainly a lot of companies do is we go, we need more people to be aware of us. and. I completely overlook as a first opportunity to go, what if instead of trying to make more people aware of me, I took the people who already know of me, who have apathy and go, what if I just took the people who know of me already and made them fall in love so much that they became advocates. And I just go, no one in the world is happy. No one in the personal brand world is thinking about this. Everyone is going more followers, more reach, 
I need more people to be aware of me versus going, what if the few people you had freaking loved you? They would do that work for you is basically what you're saying. That's basically what I'm saying. And I think that there's a quote that I love. Albert Einstein said, not everything that can be counted counts and not everything that counts can be counted. And I think he was probably talking about Instagram and TikTok when he said that, (laughs) but it's applicable sort of across the board. And a mistake that I think a lot of personal brands make is exactly as you just said, it's that more, 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 I want more followers, more people, more likes, more engagement, instead of saying, wow, what a privilege and an honor that I have the attention of these 2,000 people or 12,000 people or 22,000 people. And exactly as you just expressed, the question should be, how can I make their life better? How can I show up and do more for them so that they feel passionate and want to tell people like they want to become advocates. They're not doing it because I'm offering them some affiliate program. They're not doing it because I'm putting an offer out there. They're doing it because I've made their lives better in some way. And one of the things that I talk about throughout the book is this idea that super fandom is mutual. Super fans are created at the intersection of your story and every customer's story. So if you want followers to love you, you have to love them first so that they feel it. And there's that reciprocity. Yeah. And I think if you just have ask yourself the sobering question, do I spend more of my time thinking about wishing for praying for more people to find me? Or do I spend more of my time thinking about wishing about praying about how do I serve the people who are already in front of me? I have to go embarrassingly. I go, oh my gosh, I am missing the mark badly. And I think your book highlighted that in a way. So you just touched on kind of the premise of the book, the way that you make someone a super fan is to connect your story to their story. And this is another part that hit me hard, actually, because so super is an acronym and we walk through the steps and the S is story, right? So we start with our story. And I struggle with this because I go, why does my story matter? It feels like Starting with my story feels vain. It feels arrogant. It feels self-centered. And I'm going, why don't I just start with like what's in it for them and what do I provide? And I think your book really hit me hard in this area. So can you talk about what it means to create, to share, start with your story and specifically why starting there is not vain and arrogant and self-centered? Absolutely. Well, when I say start with your story, I don't mean lead with your story. I mean, everything has to originate from you because we are living in an experience economy. It has never been easier for any competitor to come in and usurp anyone in any category, right? So if you're competing on commodity things, I'm the cheapest, I'm the fastest, I'm the closest to your home, I've been around the longest, it is very easy for someone to displace you. So when I say start with your story, what I mean is what is your superpower? What's your origin story? What makes you better than everyone else? And I'm always shocked when I talk to people and I say, why are you the absolute best choice to serve your prospects and customers? And they stare at me blankly, or they say something that every single one of their competitors would also say that there is absolutely no proof behind. And what I always say back to them, because this is sort of the idea of apathy and action is, well, if you can't tell me why you're the best, how in the world is a prospect ever going to be able to figure it out? If you can't even articulate Mm -hmm. to me clearly why I should care, then how am I ever going to care? 
So that is what I mean when I say start with your story, not making it about you. Throughout the book, I I try to say again and again, this is all about customer centricity. This is all about showing up to serve people. But it's kind of like we're recording this. I'm at the airport for anybody who is watching it. This beautiful background behind me is a (laughs) B&A conference room. Like when you're on the airplane and they say you've got to put your mask on first before you assist the people with you because you've got to do you. You've got to make sure you're taking care of you. And it's kind of the same thing when I say start with your story is you can't expect people to sign up to say, I am a super fan of this person or I am a super fan of this offering. If you yourself haven't done the work to say, why do I deserve a super fan? What am I doing that is better than what my competitors are doing so that I can help serve these customers and make their life better in some way? Uh huh. Well, and it's interesting. The part of what hit me really hard was going when I think of telling my story like that question. OK, just take take me as a real life example. You go, what makes you Rory or Rory and AJ or Brand Builders Group? Like what makes you the best in the world at personal branding? My mind goes to why are we better? What results have like what have our clients achieved? How many times have we done it? But When I read this section of your book, what really hit me was going, what makes me so qualified to do this is I viscerally to this moment can feel what it was like to be 17 years old watching a speaker on stage going, I want to be the speaker on stage. I remember walking through the airport, seeing the book on the bookshelf going, I want my book on the bookshelf. I want a New York Times bestselling logo on my book. And it's like, what actually gives me the credibility is not just that we've done that, that we've helped other people do it. It's that I wanted it so badly and I felt so far away and I felt like it was impossible. It's the story and I never tell that story. I talk about, oh, my credentials and our, like the clients we've worked with, which I don't think is bad, but I go, I think I'm underutilizing the human part of my story a bit to go, that's what really they care about. Because other people would say that too. Well, I've got, I've got a hundred clients and I've helped clients do this and that and blah, 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 blah. But there's this emotional human bond that happens from the origin story And I'm going, I don't even have the origin story on my website. We don't even have the origin story on Brand Builders Group. And I would never even think to put it there because I would think of that as like not useful to the customer until you told me it was. And it is so useful. And that's, we were connected through a mutual friend, John Rulin. And John Rulin didn't say to me, oh, meet this friend of mine who's like helped a bunch of other people like you. He said, you've got to meet my friends, Rory and AJ. And he told me about who you are as people and, and what your origin story is and why he thinks you're the best in the world. And I know this is something that a lot of business owners struggle with as they're scaling because they think, well, if I tell my story, then clients are only going to want to work with me. They're not going to want to work with anybody else. But there is like a murky middle where sometimes that is true. Everybody feels those growing pains of, you know, I had the people who are used to me and now I've got to tell them that they're they're not going to get as much as my time because the business is growing and changing. And that's something that I think every entrepreneur has been through. However, I would argue that telling your origin story makes it that much more important because now people are going to understand, okay, this is the person helming this company. This is the person who is not just making the decision of everyone they hire, but training them, making sure there's an alignment. And then they're going to be curious about 
every single employee's origin story and what attracted them to come work for you, who you are as a leader, how that plays out into everything that you're doing. So I think that most people miss or underutilize, misuse or underuse their own personal origin stories because of everything you said a few minutes ago. It can feel arrogant. It can feel self-serving. It can feel very you-centric. But in reality, we learn best when we hear stories. Our brains Mm. are hardwired to react to stories much more so than facts. I mean, there's every single research study that's ever looked at it has said, yes, people believe stories more than facts and figures, and we trust them more. We remember them better. And that's why they're so effective. And when we show up and we talk about the results or we talk about the past work or the past clients, people don't feel that emotionally. Like very few people ever like got teary-eyed or thought, too over a spreadsheet or like a list of stats and figures. But when you can tell a story, people are like, I felt that. I felt that in my gut when I was walking through the airport and wanted that. Or I felt that in my gut when I was a kid and I said, wow, this is my calling. So it's so important. And in my book, I talk about some of the tools that people can use, some of the exercises to really step outside of yourself and look at your story through the eyes of your customer to say, What should I be talking about? How am I able to craft this narrative of who I am and where I've been in a way that makes it very clear to my target customers that I can help them because I used to be right where they are now. I used to be sitting right where they were sitting. Yeah. And that, and that's the thing. It's not, it's not just telling your story. It's telling your story in a way that it is useful for the customer because they put themselves in the story and they go, oh my gosh, you've been through what I'm going through. And I think that's the game changer because it's relatability and it's credibility and it's all about that, which kind of leads to the you, I guess, in in the super framework. So walk us through what you is all about. Yeah. So in the book, I say that each of these are kind of like nesting dolls. All five letters of the super framework build on the one before. And the U is understand your customer story. So I said before, super fans are created where those two worlds collide, your story and theirs. And another reason that it's helpful to start with your own story is because when you do that, you can better understand your customer story. Because when you think about who you are, what your origin story is, it helps you better understand what that customer or prospect is struggling with, what transformation that they're looking to undergo that maybe you've already gone through, what reservations they might have, what they might be even unaware that they're feeling because it's so deep down. So really getting clarity on your story positions you in a way to understand your customer story in a way that's much deeper than a lot of people want to go. And, you know, in the book, I tell the story and I'm curious, Rory, do you remember the first time you saw a teacher outside of school? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I yes, I do. <laughs> I vividly remember that. Yeah. It, and it did it just freak you out? Like, what was your experience? Well, for this particular was one of one of my favorite teachers. And I, I saw her at Buca de Beppo downtown, like 40 minutes away from where I went to high school. It just freaked me out. Like it just it was like, oh, this is a completely different person and never had dawned on me that like this person had a completely separate life with like friends and anything outside of like the classroom. Yeah, it's so funny. I remember I was in first grade the first time I saw a teacher, Miss Beatty, at the grocery store. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like they let her leave school. And it was that (laughs) same thing, that realization of like, oh, this is an actual person that has all of those things. And when I talk about understanding your customer story, one of the sort of jokes I tell in the book is a lot of people never go deeper than we all went when we were kids. You looked Mm. at a teacher and saw someone who was there to like teach you math or science for you know, a couple hours a day or whatever it is. But if you look at your customers and say, this is a 
fully developed person with like a very full life who has goals, who has dreams, who has a history, who has people who, people who love them, not only does that give you more empathy in the way that you think about and get to know your customer, but it also gives you more understanding about how your authority can matter to them, can help them. So the reason that I, I make the second step in this framework, getting to really truly understand your customer is because a lot of people don't ever do that work or they do it like just on the surface. So in the book, I talk about really getting clear on the types of questions that matter, the types of information that are going to help you think more critically and teach your team to serve even deeper when it comes to showing up for your customers and your future customers, for your followers and your future followers. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. Another great marketing strategy, you know, I I said that before about it's a transform life. Another great marketing strategy is to care, is to like care about your customers. And the more you spend time thinking about them, and acknowledging, I think, who they are in real life and understanding it. And it's ironic that when you start with your story, it forces you to kind of ask that question because you go, how does this story apply to them? And then it puts you in the place of thinking about where are they now? Like, where are they now? And how can I share how I have been there and create that connection? And so you really develop a lot of passion and love and affinity and and appreciation just for who your prospect is. And just there's such an authentic connection that I feel like suddenly it shows up in your marketing, whether it's a podcast episode or whether it's a video or it's it's even an advertisement or a website as they go, they feel that. They feel that like you actually give a crap about me. You actually know something about what it's like to be me. I think that's super powerful. So what about the P? Okay, so S, so start with your story, understand the customer story. The P, this is this one's clutch. Personalize. Mm. So P is personalize. And again, there's all kinds of stats and figures. And a McKinsey study just came out a, a couple of weeks ago that said 71% of customers now expect personalization from everyone they give money to. So they don't want to be treated like just another customer, just another number, just another order. So in the book, I talk about the need to balance the high tech with the high touch. So Mm. what can you automate? What can you systematize? What can you get set up to help drive personal interactions at scale while also, and this is the key part, freeing up more of your team's time or your own time to find opportunities to do those high touch things that can't be automated because it's all about the human attention, the human interaction, being in tune to someone's need to show up for them in a way that's going to exceed their expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things about this, you have a great, I'm pretty sure this is one of like your pillar points or a pullout quote that's in there, which is like, if you're giving somebody something with your logo on it, that is an ad, not a gift. And like, that is so true. 
And there are people like, who like are ready to fight me over that. Yes, that is a very polarizing opinion. But I'm like, you would never like Rory, we're friends. I would never buy you a gift and write my name on the bottom of it to be like, just want to make sure when you're using this cooler out by your pool, you don't forget it's for me. Like we would never do that in real life. And yet in business, people are like, how many logos can I slap on this? What can I do? Which is fine. Like I'm not anti-swag. I just believe that it has a place and that place is as an ad, not a gift. Right. It doesn't make anyone feel special when, I mean, another extreme example of it, I was like, imagine if I sent you a picture of me, like, <laughs> like happy birthday, not a picture of us, not a picture of you. If I just was like, happy birthday, Brittany, here's a picture of me. Like that would be so weird, but that's what we do all the time with like, here's my business. Here's my logo. It's like, it's not a gift. It should be the opposite. Right. If anything, I should be sending you a gift which has your logo on it or it's, it's a picture of you. Or it's like if I sent you a picture of you and your kids now, all of a sudden it's personalized. It's still as simple. It's not as easy to pull off, especially when you say personal interactions at scale. That I think is is the aspiration because personal interactions sort of like by definition kind of feel like they work against doing them at scale. And one of the points I loved, which you made, because you know, we're huge on automation and multiplying time and like all that sort of stuff is that the purpose of automation is not to dehumanize the business. It's to basically take care of all the mundane to create more margin so that your people can can do more personalization. Is that basically how you are saying it? Yeah, that's I 100% agree with that. And it's looking for ways like, as you said, let's see somebody's listening to this and you work in real estate, a way to make a decision once and scale it might be every time I sell someone a new home, I'm going to get them a welcome mat with a picture of their family, or I'm going to get them a garden flag with a picture of their family, or I'm going to take their listing photo and turn it into a puzzle for them. And knowing that you have a vendor who can do those things very easily and have someone on your team who knows like, okay, before closing day, I've got to go on every family's Facebook page and like pull a picture that I really love and get that made into a like, welcome to your new home at ABC Apple Street or 123 Apple Street, whatever, to create that for them. So there's still oftentimes is a human element involved, but you're what you're doing is you're eliminating that process of, oh, let me think about exactly what to do for this person and how I'm going to make it because you already made the decision. You made one decision that you can repeat a thousand times instead of making a thousand individual decisions. Yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, anything with their family seems like low hanging fruit there mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, that's good. Anything with their business is also kind of like low hanging fruit. I think the other one is anything of their interests, right? But that requires you to actually care enough to know what sports teams do they like? What movies do they watch? Who's their favorite musician? Like, where do they eat? Those kinds of things. You know, my mom used to say, Mar used to sell Mary Kay, you know that. But one of the things that Mary Kay used to say is she would say, the magic is not the expensive of the gift. The magic is a $5 gift with a $50 bow meaning it's the presentation of the gift and what you build around. And I think this is kind of similar to where you could go. It doesn't even have to be expensive. The fact that it's personal is worth way more to them than the fact that it's expensive or how much it costs. Oh, but absolutely. You, it's yeah. the fact that they took the time to do it. And, you know, we both know, like when you get something that Jasper or Leah made for you, it's not about 
how expensive that thing is. It's, wow, I'm going to love this and keep it forever because my kids made it for me and they put love into it. So it's that idea of showing someone that you spent time thinking about them. You spent time, you gave them the gift of your attention and your care and whatever it is that 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 materialized into in the form of a gift. Totally. Totally. So I know you've got multiple mini phases in this. And again, y'all, so the book's called Creating Superfans. Uh, Brittany Hodak, of course, is who we're talking to here. The E is another one that is simple, not easy, but another like game changing thing that you go, man, if you adopt this into your culture, it works like this actually works. So what's walk us through the E. Yeah, all of these are simple, not easy. And that's and that's why I wanted to put them in a framework that would be easy to remember. The idea of, oh, being super, you know, it sounds like something you could almost easily dismiss. But if you do these things consistently, they absolutely will lead to huge growth. You will have more earned revenue. You will have more earned customers. You will have people who are coming back more quickly and spending more money with you. The E stands for exceed expectations. And this is probably my favorite pillar in the book, just because I'm so passionate about about something that I call intentional experience design, which Mm. is really looking at every single touch point through the eyes of your customers and saying, is this making their experience better, worse, or not having an impact on it? And many of our experiences as customers are what I call net neutrals. They're like nothing burgers. We forget about them as soon as we encounter them. And then occasionally there are those net negatives that are annoying or cause us to grumble a little bit. And then very, very rarely there are those positive things. What I encourage people to do is to using the the system that I lay out in the book to look at every interaction and teach everyone on your team that they are the chief experience officer. They are the ones who can turn those neutral interactions into positive ones by using intentionality, by using that customer centricity to say, how can I elevate this otherwise forgettable moment into something that's going to be meaningful? How can I show someone that we care more by going a little bit above and beyond? And if you can do that, not only are you like quite literally making the world a better place because you're improving people's days, their minutes, their their interactions, but you're also giving people those things that are for NJ Bear calls talk triggers. You're giving somebody something that they want to tell somebody about, whether that's online or in line at the grocery store. You're not going to believe what this person on the phone just did, or you're not going to believe how this person did this thing that just helped me. And, and it can be, it's almost always the little things. Like this doesn't have to be big grand gestures. It's a week ago, I had a bunch of balloons at Publix because it was my husband's birthday party. The person who was working the door said, here, let me help you out to your car with those. And I said, no, 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 it's okay. And he said, no, I, I know a trick. I've loaded balloons a lot. I'm going to help you make sure that you that you get these in. And the trick, by the way, was to put a piece of paper on top of the balloon and then there's like less static and they go in. But so those little things that you can do to exceed someone's expectation in the moment and training everyone on your team to look for those opportunities to exceed their expectations. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, I think when you go, okay, what are those things? Generally speaking, you're talking about they're just little things you can do. But I think the element of surprise is really the is really the thing here is really going, okay, what's the thing I can do for them that would be a surprise, right? There's some like they expect whatever, but how do I 
do something for them that they just like you're saying, it's their expectation is what they're expecting. So it's what is the unexpected? Do you have any other like little tips for how do you train your team, like your assistant or your, it might be your program manager or like your, certainly your customer service team, like who's fielding calls to go, here's what you do to create that moment. Yeah. So that's a great question. A lot of it is planning ahead so that you can be more present in the moment to look for those little things Mm. of, oh, they've got a kid with them. I'm going to offer them a sticker or they've got a lot of bags. I'm going to make sure somebody is helping them carry them like the, the, the human things. In the book, I talk about this idea of intentional experience design, which is how do I bring more intentionality to every part of the experience? Because one of the one of the things that I talk about again and again in this book is your customers are going to have expectations that constantly rise because they're not just comparing their experience working with you to the best experience they've had with your competitors. They're comparing it to the best experiences you've had anywhere. So you need to constantly be looking at even your experiences that you have as a customer with with other parties around you to say, how can I make this better? And this is not in the book because it just happened a few weeks ago, but we were out at a Mexican restaurant after a baseball game one day and the kids were hungry because it was a little bit late. And I was like, oh, we'll just go to a Mexican restaurant so we can like feed them fast. So at least be chips and salsa. And the waitress came to take our order and Cato, my five and a half year old said, excuse me, did you know a lot of restaurants have apps? And if you had an app, we could have ordered our tacos on the way here and you could bring me tacos right now. And like, he wasn't even trying to be a jerk. He was just like, it was in his mind. It was like so inefficient that he's like, why do you have to have a person come ask me what I want to eat? Someone has already solved this problem. So knowing that your your customer's expectations are always going to be getting higher. So looking in that moment, it's, it's about how can I serve them quicker? How can I serve them in a way that goes above and beyond their expectations? Like I know I always, when I check into a hotel, I notice when somebody goes above and beyond. Obviously, there's a couple brands who give you cookies, but if you go to a Margaritaville resort, they offer you a rum punch. A lot of times when you check into a Marriott resort, they have like a wheel that you can spin if you're a part of the Bonvoy Club to like earn bonus points. So just those little touch points of above and beyond of, am I offering someone a water? Am I offering someone a piece of candy? Am I showing them that I'm happy to have them here? And I don't think of them as just another customer. I think of them as a person whose life I can improve because we're connected in this moment. Yeah. And I think you nailed it with it's going, how do I stay? You have to be, the real magic is being present in the moment to be going, what can I do to make this moment better, like magical for them? Versus scrambling to just meet their expectations or because your brain is off somewhere else because something else fell apart. So like a lot of it is is caught up in the planning. So Brittany, I know we I know we have the R, which you know we can wrap up quickly, but before we do that, where do you want people to go if they want to connect with you and learn more what you're about, you know, get the book, et cetera? Well, my website is brittanyhodak.com and I hope everyone checks out the book. It's available everywhere books are sold, including on Amazon as a hardcover and an audio book and an ebook. But if you go to brittanyhodak.com forward slash gift, you can download the first four chapters of the book totally free because I want everyone to get the framework that they can use to start creating super fans in their own personal brand and business right now. So brittanyhodak.com forward slash gift. Cool. Very, very cool. Well, send us oh, out here. What yeah, about the R? Yeah, tell us about the R. Yes. 
we don't want to leave everybody hanging too much, but so super, the acronym, start with your story, understand your customer story, personalize, exceed expectations, and repeat. 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 That's it. I wish customer, actually, I, I don't wish customer experience will set it and forget it. I know a lot of people do. I actually love the idea of constantly looking for ways to exceed expectations. But in the fifth pillar, I talk all about the systems and processes that you can use. Another great quote, this one's from Elizabeth Arden. Sorry, I know you're you're very Mary Kay loyal, but this is a good quote, regardless okay. of your preference for, for makeup brands. Elizabeth Arden said, repetition makes reputation and reputation makes customers. So it's about showing up and doing this again and again, transaction after transaction, interaction after interaction, because you become what you do. Yeah. Which the other surprising bonus of this is you go, oh, it's not even five steps. It's four steps. And then I just do them over and over again. It is. It's 20% easier than I promised. So hopefully I exceed your expectations with four things to remember instead of five. Well, and frankly, like if you get the story part right and you really understand who your customer is and then you repeat, A lot of this is about personalizing and exceeding expectations. And you go, all right, those are like two things that I got to do is just go, how do I set everything up to be in this moment, serving on people, loving on them at a level that's higher than what they're used to seeing. And what a great way to be an awesome person and create super fans and make more income in the process. So Brittany, you're the best. Thank you so much for this, friend. Everybody go get the book, Creating Superfans. I'm a huge believer. I'm a huge fan. We make our whole company read it, adopting it as part of our culture. It's a big part of what we see as the next level for us at Brand Builders Group. And anyways, friend, keep kicking butt out there. We're cheering for you. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 